Anyway, um, when Pastor Dick emailed me before spring break asking uh, if I'd be interested in doing another sermon, um, it was definitely intriguing. Then he told me that it was in Luke, and we've, I've spent literally the last year at school going through Luke with my small group, um, so that was pretty exciting. It's a really dense and uh, exciting book. We got through exactly one half of it through a year of study, so there's a lot here. Um, it's too bad that we don't really have to go past this part, though. Um, it can kind of just end here. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit, and figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes are never picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Well, I guess we tried. Um, we gave it a good shot, swing and a miss, but at least we swung. This whole being Christian thing was fun, but uh, I'm glad we tried it out. But I guess we could just end it here. Because um, this whole thing was about being a good person, right? Like, that was kind of our goal. We believe in God, we do what he says, and we become better people, and eventually we go to heaven and make this world a better place. But it seems like we can't really do that if we're all bad trees. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I know that I definitely produce bad fruits all the time. Um, I I'm regularly engage in things that end up not going well or things that I know that afterwards or even while I'm doing it that God isn't pleased by. That's pretty much bad fruit, so I guess that makes me a bad tree. Um, we don't like hearing these big, sweeping generalizations. It's not something that we really hear often in our culture. We much prefer... Um, qualifications. We like the loopholes. We like the opportunity to wiggle out of something. We really like shades of gray. Um, if we look at some of the big dramas today, some of the most popular television shows, we've got Game of Thrones, we've got House of Cards, we've got Breaking Bad. These are all about terrible people doing pretty terrible things, but we're still supposed to like them. And we often do, because that's the kind of culture that we live in. We like a culture that gives us an opportunity to like what's wrong, and root for people despite their problems. And so I think that's why it's so hard to hear things like a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Because we're of the firm belief that good fruit can come from anywhere. And this is comforting in many ways because we know that we all produce bad fruits. We relate to the shades of gray because we're very gray. And sometimes we are way too dark in that. So what do we do with Jesus when he talks like this? How do we deal with him basically saying that we're bad people and can't do anything good? That's a hard pill to swallow. It's a lot easier to embrace the gray. Unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, Jesus doesn't afford us that option. So we're left with two choices or two possibilities of understanding this. Either we truly can't do anything good, and uh, this whole thing was kind of a waste, or... Um, we need to recheck what we're reading here. Um, I think that the most important thing is always to go back and look at scripture. And I think that the picture we get from a lot of other scripture is of broken people doing good things and becoming closer to God. From David, who had a man killed so he could take his wife, to Jonah, who directly disobeyed God's orders, to Peter, who denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times, and to Saul slash Paul, who was actively out killing people to stop God's message, we see um, 
these heroes of the Bible not being the best heroes. But David was loved by God and time and time again followed his direction. And Jonah did end up bringing Nineveh to God despite his, um, his hesitation. And Peter had previously, before he denied God, stepped out onto water, healed sick people, and cast out demons, and then became the rock of the church as he was the first person to identify Jesus as the Messiah among the disciples. And then Paul spread the message all across the nation, all across the globe. Even though he was still doing, in Romans 19, I mean 7.19 references, he was doing the things he didn't want to do and did do the things that he didn't want to do. So we're all broken and continue to be, and significantly so. All of us have sinned, will continue to sin, and will sin again. So how does this mesh with our fruit trees? It would seem at first glance that uh, Jesus is just straight up wrong. But it's these times in reading scripture that um, we're forced into thinking a little bit outside the box, which is kind of exciting because um, I think it's easy to just go through and just read the things that are easy to read and then ignore the things that are a little more difficult. Um, When I come across this, it usually takes me a couple times because my immediate reaction to reading passages like this is to put up a wall get really defensive. I'm like, what do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean I can't do good things? What do you mean I can't bear good fruit? I know tons of people who bear good fruit, and they've also done bad things. Back off. But but this wall separates me from the word. Instead of me diving into the word and letting it change me, it's me versus the word in a duking out battle, and it almost always wins. But um, I think that... uh, the emotional reaction we have to scripture can often stop us from really uh, looking at it in a different light than what might be immediately apparent. Um, so what I, what I did was just read it over and over and over again and try to dive into it, and um, eventually it sort of hit me. We are all bad trees, but the wonderful thing about God is that he allows, him, he allows us to let him work through us. And I think that God is the one true good tree. He's the vine that um, we all come from, and he is the source of all good. And so the only way that we can produce good fruit is by letting God work through us. And so this leaves the um, so this presents a couple of problems. The first is, does that mean that, like, People who aren't Christians can't bear good fruit because they don't letting God work through them. Well, I think that um, that we can look at the world around us. We see people like Gandhi. We all know great. We all know great people. We have friends, some of my closest friends, who are good people who are out living in the world and um, making a positive impact on it. So, how do we mesh that with this idea that we're bad? trees and can't produce good fruit. I think that there's two things. The first is that um, I think that one of the things we have to think about that's kind of hard is that any good done that doesn't bring people closer to God is ultimately pretty fleeting. Um, We live in a world that is very temporary when we are all eternal creatures. And so when we're out there doing good, if it isn't bringing people closer to God, then it can't have any truly lasting impacts. It can last here, but it can't last forever because here is only 
here for a certain amount of time. And so even though people who don't know God can do good things that bring people closer to God without even realizing it, I think that, um, that the, one, the, the true good fruit is bringing people closer to God and into a relationship with him. And I also think that God can work through people even when people don't realize what God's doing. We serve an all-powerful, all-knowing God. And to think that he can't work in people's lives without them realizing it is, um, is kind of silly. Wouldn't we? I know that I've experienced God working through me when I had no idea what he was doing. People would come back to me later and be like, this is, God really spoke to me through this thing you said. And I had no idea. And so if we remember that... Uh, that God is working through us, bearing those good fruit, then we know that he can do that anywhere. So can we ever be truly good trees? Because I think it's kind of depressing in some ways to think about um, the fact that we can never actually be a good tree because of our broken natures and stuff like that. Um, and I think that while we're still on earth, we always have temptations and difficulties, and sometimes this will lead to sin. But what's exciting is that as we reach out to God, he reaches out to us. The more we try to be in line with the will of the Holy Spirit, the easier it becomes. This means that we're more and more able to become agents for God um, and be able to produce good fruit. If we give up the effort on bearing good fruit and being a good tree and instead trying to become more and more like Christ instead of just good people, our regular human selves um, become less and less of an influence, hopefully. Um, because we have this, we have ourselves of the world and we have ourselves reborn. And these two selves are consistently battling it out each other, with each other. And whenever we are producing bad fruits, whenever we're these bad trees, that our worldly selves have won out. But God is our reborn self. We become we have an opportunity to become one with Christ, which is how we can be good trees. So I think that that's, that was the wrestling I did with the, um, with the passage itself. But I think that the somewhat more practical application of this passage comes from one of the implications of it. Um, in my experience, the thought of not being able to do good things or have a good influence or bear good fruit in the world isn't so much a thought that happens on a regular basis. I mean, we see and know people who are working um, through God's power and having this great effect on the world around us. We know people in our lives and we hear these stories of people across the world. And so in our hearts, we kind of know that God can work and do good through us. Um, but I think one of the more difficult things is knowing that we ourselves can produce good fruit. Um, I know that I personally possess this insecurity all the time. It's a lot easier for me to notice the bad fruits that I'm producing than the good ones. If I lie, I know that I'm lying immediately. And like before I sin, I often know that it's a sin, and I still do do it because I choose to ignore it. These are bad tree, bad fruit things. They're super obvious to me and oftentimes the people around me. Good fruits are harder to see though. Oftentimes it's stuff that we have no idea about. We're saying something or doing something that has an effect on someone and they have, we have no idea. 
and I think also we have this tendency as Christians to try to avoid almost knowing about the things that we're doing that are good because we have this, um, we have this fear of pride getting into our lives. And it's a really hard way to live life. I mean, we as humans have this innate desire to matter. I think that we all know that our time here is limited and to waste it would be a waste. And this isn't necessarily a pride thing. It can turn into a pride thing, but we have this time and God has given us this time and told us to make use of it. As we see in the parable of the talents, we are supposed to be applying what we have here. And so we have this desire to be important or at least matter in some way, maybe not on a grand scale, but in our lives, if we don't feel that we are making a difference in the lives around us, it's really easy to get discouraged and apathetic. And then when that happens, anything that we're doing pretty much ceases because we no longer believe that what we're doing is any good. Um, now, this isn't a healthy way to live. And I think that results-based self-evaluation is really dangerous and not exactly what God's looking for. Results are great, and bringing people to God is our goal here. But that's, that's outside of our control to a large extent. We can do what we do, but it's up to them and it's up to God's timing. So when we go into things with a results-based mindset, we can often end up discouraged and um, fall into that trap of apathy. Oh, thank you. Um, but, um, but that doesn't mean, which, sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but what we have the most influence on in our lives is our own journey with God and how we're growing closer to him. And that's what he's truly looking for. That being said, there's still a strong value in knowing that God is working in you. First of all, while it's not ideal, it's true that we do care about results. And, and to ignore that, I think, would be a bad idea. You don't want, if, you, if you're addicted to something, you don't want to go to a place where that substance is easily accessible. You'd want to avoid it, even though the best way might be to just not have that addiction anymore. We still have to recognize our own weaknesses and address them in a strong way. 1 Corinthians 8.13 addresses this as it talks about not, letting your not leading your brothers into sin by doing things that would cause them to stumble. Even if those things are not inherently wrong, it, you still want to be considerate. And this, In the same way, I think we know that if something might have a negative effect on us, we should work to counteract it in any way that is not sinful or, or that God would approve of. The question is then how? How can we counteract discouragement while also not leading ourselves into a pride trap? I think that the answer is us, and by that I mean our Christian community. We need an uplifting community of affirmation if we want to truly uh, have a healthy community. Affirmation is not simply about saying good things about someone like, you're nice, or you're beautiful, or you give great hugs. Those are all great things, but are ultimately sometimes not that helpful. Sometimes it might be just what someone needs. Someone might be having an insecure day where they are feeling bad about themselves and saying that they look nice might lift their spirits in a way. But I think that um, I think that what the most effective affirmation is is pointing out 
how God is working through a person. It's calling out something that you've seen someone do or say once or even better on a regular basis and letting them know it matters. Letting them know that God is having an influence on the world through that action. That really helps fight off that sense of despair or unimportance. It reminds people that God is working and working through them, that good fruits are being grown and distributed to their community. It also helps build the community around you. Affirmation brings people together. The more you look for things to affirm in a person, the more you'll appreciate all the good things about them. Um, Half the time, I think I'm looking for things to dislike about people more than I'm looking for things to like about them. But if I have a goal of affirming them, that's not a problem. I know for a fact that at least some people here have experienced this. Starting several years ago, I think in the Mexico trip, Barbara Deal started a tradition on our mission trips that throughout the day we would draw a name in the beginning of the day and then try to keep an eye on that person throughout the day. And at the end of the day, when we all gathered together in our post-day huddle, we would go around our circle and call out something that we saw that person doing that was good, beneficial, that we saw God working through them. It was a really strong bonding time for our group because it helped, A, people to get to know each other better, um, B, to see what God was doing in those little moments instead of, like, the big, like, projects. It's like, I saw you talking to that kid, and you really related to them, and you formed a um, relationship with them. I think that God is really using you to form relationships with these kids and to bring them closer to this community. Um, and it really helped us appreciate one another at the end of the trip, and it was some of the most meaningful parts of the trips, even when we weren't working. So affirmation is extremely important to a healthy community, but isn't something all of us are particularly used to. There are definitely those among us who have the gift of affirmation. You always have the right thing to say, and you bring those around you up and point out what God's doing. But for others, it's much harder. First of all, words of affirmation are not the go-to love language or the way that we express our feelings for everyone. For those of us who it's harder, there are some exercises um, I just wanted to go through real quick. Um, I think that trying to give an affirmation to someone every Sunday might be a good experience. If you're involved with a Christian group that meets regularly, I would recommend taking a meeting and make it about affirming one another. This is how we spend the last night of small group every semester at school. Um, instead of finishing our Bible verses or whatever, we take the last night and usually get food and just gather together and take turns and all go around the circle. We put one person in the hot seat and everyone <laughs> gives an affirmation to them about how they saw God was working. It's a great end of the year thing because you know that it's coming throughout the semester and so you have these the store of experiences with this group and you can reach back to like the first semester or just the last week and just all these, and it's a really uplifting time, especially at the end of the semester when a lot of us are pretty down because finals and all that. Um, finally, if saying things is hard, letters are always really nice. Uh, two years ago at a worship service at my church, someone came up to me and gave me a note that was from someone else. I still to this day don't know who it was from. Um, but it was an anonymous letter of affirmation that made my night, and I still have the letter. Sometimes just knowing people are out there and just want to say something nice to you has a profound impact and really helps keep us going. So where does this leave us? Um, we're all broken on our own and really can't impact the world in a positive way that brings people to Christ. But God can, and he can work through us.
This allows us to do good and really impact people's lives and bring them and ourselves closer to God, thanks to his influence. Then we should surround ourselves in our community of affirmation so that those around us encourage us in the way that God is working in our lives. This will help stop discouragement and build up community. I challenge everyone to look for something to affirm in someone today. If there's anything you've noticed God doing in someone, please say it. It might be just what someone needs to hear. And if someone affirms you, accept it. Don't let it go to your head, but recognize that God is working in you and then dive deep into that thing and to help make it stronger and more powerful. Sometimes we have gifts that we don't even realize. Um, I know that I've talked to people who had no idea that they were particularly good at uplifting someone or had these leadership skills that they didn't realize. Um, when I was approached to lead a small group at my school, I was I considered myself entirely unqualified and unable to do it. Um, it took about a three hour long conversation of my small group leaders convincing me. But sometimes that's what we need. We need people in our lives who see us, who know what we're about to speak truth into our lives. I think that this is a way that we can um, live out the spiritual gift of prophecy to, to see what someone's about and see what God's doing in their lives and then uplift it. Um, so don't take it to heart in a pride thing, but lift it up to God and be like, God, is this something that um, you want me to be doing? Is this something that I can invest in more? Um, yeah. And so the more we embrace what God is doing in us, the more he can do in us. My pastor at school always ends his sermon with this benediction, adjusting it for each sermon, so I figured I would steal it. Um, he always says... <laughs> May God bless you and keep you and may he make his face shine upon you and may he, may he encourage you and allow you to be encouraged by your community. Thank you.